You're listening to the Foreign and International Medical Graduate Show, a podcast to inspire physicians in the process of immigration to the United States and access to graduate medical education. We create meaningful and helpful content that motivates medical students and doctors throughout the world with the goal of creating a community that supports itself and gives feedback to each other, that stays updated with the most recent tips and advice on how to make it in America and become a successful resident or fellow in the speciality of your dreams. Dr. Alonso Osorio is board certified and residency trained in both emergency and family medicine and will be bringing you 20 years of his personal experiences, struggles and motivation. We'll be chatting with people like you to talk about the lessons they've learned along their personal path, how to make an impact and how we can all benefit from it. Also, we'll analyze the current resources available and how to benefit from them. Thanks for joining us. Please enjoy the show. Hello, superstars, and welcome back to the Foreign International Medical Graduate Podcast and OsorioMD.com. We are about to wrap it up with the month of July and 2021 has been one of those years full of joy and satisfaction in many ways for my personal life and I hope it has been one of those years as well for you all. Again, our fellow interns slash residents, keep it keep up the good work. I know you're about to wrap it up with the first month of residency training and I was Let's put it this way, uh, literally about to close my eyes and I'm always looking for some good quality material and things to work on production and I came across a topic that is rather interesting. It's psychiatric medical clearance in the United States. And this is one of those complicated topics that most foreign and international medical graduates are not very used to or accustomed to because of how the healthcare system works here in America. And I was working a clinical shift and I was doing the overnight shift and my facility is a Baker Act holding facility or a psychiatric holding facility or accepting facility. And we have about seven to 10 beds in which they funnel all these psychiatric patients for medical clearances and emergency physician we are considered somehow the quote dumping grounds quote unquote for the police outpatient clinics psychiatrists etc and i don't mean to talk down about our psychiatry fellas but it's a rather complicated topic at some point in time during the night shift i saw myself managing and taking checkouts and sign-ons on about seven or eight psychiatric patients that were on hold and what is frustrating is that it was the weekend right and i was doing night shifts on friday saturday sunday and passing on to monday and obviously as you know friday nights saturday nights are like the party nights here in america sometimes people start as early as on thursday so you get all the drunks, you get all the cocaine, all the meth, all the heroin, all the overdoses, all the family drama, boyfriend and girlfriend fights, familial issues, etc. that kind of perk up over the weekend and they spice it up and the police get called to the household and they get into this fight and they're intoxicated. Either two things happen. There is a true reason to bring the patient for 
emergency care and get medical screen examination and get psychiatric evaluation. Two, it is made up and it's all BS by the police because they don't want to take prisoner into jail and pay for the meals and rooming and boarding the scholar of being and what it's like in jail and the processing and the paper that they have to deal with so they just don't even press charges they deem the person quote crazy unquote and they send them to the emergency department and then we see ourselves kind of stuck with this patient it's our responsibility to determine if they're actually a danger to self or others or three there is a referral from the outpatient family physician, psychiatrist, or healthcare counselor to be seen and evaluated in the emergency department. Let's take a pause and rewind a little bit. As you guys know, healthcare in the United States, specifically mental healthcare, has been remarkably neglected for years. As you can imagine, it's also neglected everywhere across the world. Call it a stigma, call it funding issues, call it whatever. But depression, schizophrenia, through medical illnesses really get neglected. And that's why we are seeing that suicide and uh, homelessness and chronic mental illness are associated with so many comorbidities call it tobacco abuse, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, and sometimes there is a mixed disorder in there, and, and I don't want to go into the specifics. So in summary, for you guys that are coming into America, I want you to know what it takes to do a medical psychiatric clearance. I'm going to try to be brief about it because the, the topic is rather robust and I'm not a psychiatrist, but what I do on regular occasions on daily basis is that as an emergency physician, obviously I'm the dumping grounds for America. If you have healthcare insurance, you probably are being seen by a therapist or a psychiatrist, but at if at some point in time you say that you're suicidal or homicidal, then suddenly you get your psychiatrist or mental health care or provider or your primary care physician write a, a holding. In the state of Florida, it's called a Baker Act, and this is a legal hold that keeps you in the emergency department under a legal custody and pretty much your civil rights are taken away until you're seen by a psychiatrist and deemed not to be a danger to self or others but they have up to 72 hours to see you so it might take up to 72 hours to be seen by a psychiatrist and and i guess this time frame was determined because of the weekend situation because i can assure you most of the time they don't get seen within a timely fashion now with telemedicine it's a whole different story and we can go into details later on on telepsychiatry and so forth but for the most part as you can imagine healthcare is neglected most people don't have insurance you know and they have chronic mental illness alcoholism drug dependence and obviously they do drugs thursday friday saturday or sunday they feel like crap they have the cocaine downers and they have the post meth depression from the lack of dopamine and the dopamine withdrawal and they come to emergency room they feel awful they be depressed they feel sad they feel some of them are truly suicidal some some of them are truly homicidal 
So let's talk about that. Suicidal ideation, suicidal attempts, suicidal intentions, homicidal feeling that the, you're a threat to others in the United States, specifically with this whole thing of so massive shooters, anyone with a gun that makes a threat to hurt anyone, they're immediately committed by the police. And as I said earlier, in the state of Florida, it's called the Baker Act. In other states, it's called differently. In Texas, um, is a POW, police forced order for detention, and we are commanded to keep the patients in the emergency department and get them evaluated. So, you guys out there, sometimes family physicians or pediatricians don't have the quote balls to write a Baker Act or a, a, an involuntary hold, and they send these patients to emergency departments for us to handle most of the responsibility. Sometimes family physicians, psychiatrists calling the police to go and search and look for this person in their household, in their office, whatever, that are making these statements. Nowadays, with the social media activity, everybody's posting their suicidal intentions on Facebook and uh, WhatsApp and, 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 and many cases. Family member, a friend calling the police on you because of the text messages, the postings that you have made, and they get sent to the emergency department. I'm not trying to take credit away from healthcare in America, but the problem is that the system gets used and abused. In my personal experience, there were that are really seeking suicidal attempts and are really looking to commit suicide or the really homicidal people are not the cry wolves type of people you know we have a lot of malingering we have a lot of homeless people that are looking for a hot meal or a warm place to stay overnight they say initially they're suicidal that they're having chest pain they come into the emergency department and they're all malingering you do the workup and you see them again over and over every two or three days and you know them by first name you know them by last name they're always there drunk or post crack depression uh, post crack downers and they suddenly wake up the next day they're feeling awesome they go on use again and boom they're back and it's a vicious cycle and, and, and the hospitals get a lot of funding from Medicaid and Medicare to take care of these people. Initially, I think you get billed, but I think after three Baker Acts or after three involuntary holds, I don't know specifics, you qualify immediately for, for, for disability, for Medicaid funding, and it just becomes a revolving door. So you might see a very small percentage of truly mentally ill people, schizophrenics and depressive people, that are down and out and they need truly help but I would say that's only like 2-5% of the people that I see 95% are the malingerers the drug users the people looking for a shelter they're looking for a warm meal the people that get didn't meet the curfew of the homeless shelter and they end up on the street so they come up with this fake story of being suicidal and they come to the emergency department or we simply become the dumping grounds for police enforcement, etc., etc. It is crazy, but um, we see a lot of unfunded people. The hospitals get reimbursed. We might not get as physicians any reimbursement for taking care of these subjects. And, and I'm not saying about the money, but in general, it is unfunded, unfunded medical care. Some people have Medicaid, Medicare, and they get some sort of assistance and medical care for this. But some of them are, have become also really smart of using the emergency department as a place just to stay for a few days. Or 
what I say, if mama doesn't love you, if papa doesn't want you, if the police doesn't want to press charges on you, or if you don't have a place to say, guess who you call? You call 911 and they take you where? To the emergency room. And what's my job? Let's go down into a specific. My job is to do a medical screening exam. A medical screening exam is a physical examination after obtaining the short history of present illness, past medical, past social, past surgical history, and determine that the patient doesn't have certain medical conditions that are acutely decompensated, call it diabetes, hypertension, hypothyroidism. I mean, you can come up with, with whatever you want. If they happen to have cancer and they're depressed and they're on chemo, if they have a Medipore, they're on dialysis. So imagine if you have a dialysis fistula and you need dialysis and now you're suicidal, that's a complicated issue. Imagine if you're a complex cardiac patient with a cardiac vest for end-stage heart failure, you're depressed. Imagine if you're a patient with a catheter, indwelling catheter or a PIC line. Those patients are really difficult to manage. If you're disabled, if you're in a wheelchair, if you have mobility issues, if you have impaired thought process sometimes where they won't take you anywhere and you might need a medical admission before you go into a psychiatric facility and need an inpatient psychiatric consult. So I do, I do a lot of testing. Some of them are unnecessary testing, but these are tests that were determined in agreement by the psychiatry department, by the psychiatric accepting facilities, and by the emergency physicians or what tests are needed and recommended to be done. So we do a complete blood count. We do a comprehensive metabolic panel that includes electrolytes, uh, liver functions, renal function, glucose testing. Sometimes they include a TSH on it. Obviously, every woman gets a pregnancy test. Oh, obviously, if you're pregnant, sometimes they don't even take you. They demand an ultrasound that is completely unnecessary. They just want to cover their rear end and prove that there is fetal viability. And Sometimes some people need a brain scan if you're suspecting they have an organic brain syndrome, you know, a non-psychiatric medical condition like a brain tumor or something like that. And that makes sometimes things uh, a little bit more complicated. Sometimes we also need to do COVID-19 testing just because they're going to be accepted. And we need to manage their diabetes, their urinary tract infections. We need to manage their blood pressure. We need to come up with a plan. These patients linger in the emergency department for one, two, three days on the weekend. The placement is difficult. Sometimes there is difficult situations with placement of pediatric patients because of uh, the minimal amount of uh, healthcare facilities that accept people under the age of 18, especially if they're teenagers or children, you name it. So we do all this testing. After all this testing are done and your physical exam doesn't reveal anything serious like an infection, an acute MI, if they're having chest pain at the same time, you do a couple sets of cardiac enzymes and EKGs, chest x-ray, they're negative and suicidal and you deem them to be medically stable, do you manage their blood pressure? So every institution, this varies by institution, from institution to institution, from state to state, and from facility to facility that is accepting, and they lay out criteria. God, Lord Jesus, the criteria could be like, I have read through 50 different criteria. We accept only blood pressures less than 150 over uh, less than 90, blood sugars less than 250, kidney function no higher than this, and the list goes on. So I, I would go into specifics of every facility, but this changes on a daily basis. 
So after I have determined that they don't need a CAT scan, that they don't need an x-ray, that the urine is clean, that they're not pregnant, that the baby, if they're pregnant, the baby is, is okay, that the blood pressure is okay, that they're not on DKA or in hyper or smaller state and blah, 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 blah. I write a medical clearance note that the patient is medically cleared to be psychiatrically evaluated and be dispositioned to a chronic long-term mental facility. And guess what? The medical screening, the screening exam does not finish there. And we can go into details about MTALA and medical screening exam. But the medical screening exam is an ongoing process that will continue to happen until the patient is determined to be stable mentally and medically and, and, and care for. So there is always social workers, registered nurses involved in the process. And nowadays with telepsychiatry, it's much easier. I would say 90% of them is getting uh, telepsychiatric clearance. And then a small percentage is getting real-time psychiatrists or mental health counselors, psychologists, psychology PhDs that come to emergency department and actually do the clearance for you. They uh, uh, resend, R-E-S-C-I-N-D, the Baker Act, which means they send it back and they determine that they're not suicidal homicidal. They, they, they have done a mental evaluation. They have done a mental health care contract and the patient has deemed to be stable and they are not suicidal and they can be sent back to the community. Obviously, there is huge liability issues and medical legal issues of medically clearing a patient and, and rescinding a Baker Act. Some, some emergency physicians don't want to do it. They want the psychiatrists to do it. Uh, I, I am pretty good at rescinding Baker Acts that are unnecessary when they're written by the cops or when they don't make any sense at all. Uh, the patient is not even stating that he's suicidal or homicidal. Somebody said so, and they're not really are. Anyway, you cannot imagine the drama that could be involved with these cases. But these patients are difficult. These patients are complicated. The placement and management of these patients is difficult. In summary, they will find any excuse not to be accepted in a psychiatric men- mental facility. They want them as stable as possible, the easiest to manage. And if they have insurance, guess what? They're going to be placed as soon as possible. If they don't have insurance, they might linger for days. And this is a huge, huge deterrent on the length of stay, on the capacity for me to expeditiously take care of these people. So, my friends, that's in 20 minutes, a short summary of what you guys will be dealing with. The psychiatric residents are going to be enjoying themselves. The internal medicine doctors, the pediatricians are going to be hearing about this. And sometimes it's not very clear about what they, you guys need to do or how this works. But I, I, I see the easiest way out is just sending the emergency the patients to the emergency department. No primary care physician, no internist pediatrician wants to literally deal with this quote on quote BS and sends the patient for us to, to take care of it. And I know, I know, guys, let's be honest. You don't want to deal with bullshit. It takes a lot of time of your life and your time in the clinic. So where do you send them? To the emergency room. And and we're more than happy to take care of them. But welcome to America. Welcome to the exposure to psychiatric medical clearance. And I hope uh, this gives you a little bit of an eye-opener into what it's going to be like to be dealing with these patients. But... Send me feedback, send me opinions. Uh, if you think I'm incorrect or you feel that there's anything needed to be said, just feel free to post comments on our YouTube channel. Send me an email to 
info at osoriamd.com. I would really appreciate uh, more five-star reviews uh, on iTunes and share it because when you share, you care and help us grow. Thank you, everybody, for listening and stay in touch. This uh, mental health care topic is really important, and I will be touching upon that. I think my next episode is going to be on physician depression and physician mental illness and burnout. And we're going to have a, a guest that speaks about wellness and what is wellness like. So let's see what happens and how we can help you keep growing and understanding how the healthcare in America works for foreign and international medical graduates. Thank you again. Thanks for listening. Dr. Osorio says goodbye for night. Ciao.